If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. Well, hello, hello out there, my listening audience. It's your girl, Barbara McGee, and this is Straight Talk with the Hired Brush. And I'm so glad to be back in the penthouse tonight. As you know, I have been away uh, working on things with the Mount Rubido Seventh-day Adventist Church in Riverside, and uh, that has been very, very pleasurable. It's always nice when you have an opportunity to give back, and so that's what I've been trying to do amongst the rest of the wonderful things happening down here in lovely Southern California. Anyway, um, our executive producer, as you know, uh, Mr. Rodney Best, uh, is away tonight as well. He is at the Warriors game. So go Rodney and go Warriors. Absolutely. We want to see them do their very best. Give that straight up shout out to Steph Curry and the gang doing it, holding the Bay Area down. Because it looks like it's just going to be one or two teams that are going to have that privilege. I just don't know how we go from a thriving city, a cultural mecca, having the Raiders and the A's and the Warriors, three teams in one uh, complex, to having one team, the A's, and uh, them looking for another home, I'm sure, and uh, I just don't know how it comes about that we have not been able to hold on to our dear Raiders. I tell you, my heart is sunk. I don't know where my Raider hat is, my regalia, but best believe it is not on my head right now. I am not repping, and I feel sad about that. I feel real sad about that. You know, they are like family, and we love them. But we just disagree with the idea of the Oakland Raiders manifesting themselves, reincarnating themselves, and coming up with some kind of Nevada, Las Vegas identity. I mean, who knows what? I don't even know what you want to call it. But it certainly can't be the Las Vegas. Ah! I won't be saying that word. Ah! You won't hear it come out of my mouth. Well, anyway said like a true uh, black hole fan, (laughs) I'm just uh, trying my best to uh, uh, hold it down and keep my composure as uh, the Raiders pack their bags looking for a flight to Las Vegas, of all places. Well, anyway, tonight, as you know, we're in the penthouse, and I am excited uh, to be able to talk to the one and only Andre Ward 
who is the CEO and chief and the reason why we are able to come to you as we do online with www.t25cl.com with all the wonderful entertainment opportunities uh, where you can download movies. Our latest movie is United We Stand. You know, you can just download that right off of the website and really get an hour and a half worth of jam-packed entertainment. I think you would love it just like we love it. Uh, I, I think it's just a fabulous opportunity. Plus, we give you a nightly opportunity. Monday nights, there's Compton Politics. Tuesday nights, Straight Talk with the Hired Brush. That's me. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Wednesday night, Roslyn's Corner. And uh, that's with Lady Ross, our entertainment director. She sings like a hummingbird. It's such a pleasure to have her. And then we also have Thursday nights, which is Soul Vibrations. And then Friday nights, we have a Bible study, which is called Keys to the Kingdom with uh, Sandra Keys. We're really excited to be able to present to you this arraignment of opportunity for you to get involved. And that's what this show is all about. Tonight, we're kind of putting T25CL in our hot seat because we want to know what's coming up, how can we get involved as the public, as fans of T25CL, how do we as the general public support such a wonderful endeavor. And without any further ado, I want to bring on Mr. Andre Ward. Let's give him a hand. (laughs) What an introduction. What an introduction. Barbara McGee, welcome back live once again. Great to have you back on the live airway. Oh, it's my my privilege and pleasure. And, you know, we just don't get enough of speaking to you. We know that you're holding it down, and we know that, you know, running a large media, multimedia company like T25CL must be totally consuming. And so we don't get a chance to hear enough about what's really going on. So I thought we'd, you know, just give you an opportunity to give us a brief update as to what's new at T25CL. Well, as you know, you're exactly right. This is quite an undertaking when you're dealing with a uh, multimedia company such as ours with all of the uh, various components that go on on that uh, on the website. You know, you have the 24-7 music radio. You, we have the, uh, the Galaxy talk shows uh, every night. And then all the other components that we have with uh, film and music distribution and also with our own distribution of our own products, such as uh, United We Stand and the Kev Choice concert as well. And then also the, the global agenda that, uh, that we're dealing with because T25CL was never conceived just to be a company for Oakland or L.A. or Berkeley or San Diego or for the state of Texas or Louisiana or Mississippi, this company was conceived to get a message out to the world. And what I have been doing over the past few weeks have been uh, communicating with our ambassadors over in Africa, uh, particularly Mr. Willis Ayungo in uh, Kenya and James Gunway 
in Malawi. And I just got a note today that another ambassador is, I think he's from Madagascar, I believe, he is going to be uh, reviewing uh, United We Stand. And, um, and I'm going to be having an international uh, call with him next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Oh, and, that's exciting. Yeah, yes, it is. Because, as you know, I have been working closely with the ambassadors over the years. And now that the film is done and everybody that, that looks at it is everybody loves the music and the message. Some people get the message, some people get the music, some people get the music and the message. And But it's one thing that I am, I've been getting that's fairly consistent throughout the world with the people that I've been talking to. They love the concert itself. They love the show, especially uh, Willis Youngo in uh, Kenya. Uh, I asked him, who were your favorite artists in the film? He really liked uh, Mark Allen Felton, our saxophonist, and he loved Brenda Lee Egger as well. Absolutely. And, yeah. And he even said, hey, can we come over to Kenya to do a show? And I said, hey, our artists would love to come over there. And so we kind of talked about it today as well. And they're about to put out a new publication over in Kenya, and they're going to be indemnifying T25CL and what we're doing. And uh, because, you know, we are working closely there with their agenda with the youth, because, we, you know, we, we're not going to deviate from the overall agenda, which is to help those who need help throughout the world. And this is what Willis and the other ambassadors are doing throughout Africa. And particularly, they are dealing with the youth over there. That's what they call them, the youth development ambassadors. And so they're doing their part with their limited resources to uh, set up their educational facilities. And uh, some are dealing with agriculture. Some are dealing with alternative energy uh, platforms. And so they're doing the best that they can. And so we're doing our best to help them. They're going to be helping us. So we're all helping one another. But the main thing of it is we're bridging that gap from here in California and across America and across the Atlantic and over into the country for which all of our DNA comes from, which is on the African continent and from wherever you are from that continent that is the home for all of us and so we're reaching back they're reaching forward collectively we are united we stand oh i love it i love it what a beautiful what a beautiful concept we got we have a couple of callers on which i'm going to get to in just a second uh hang in there um callers but I did want to bring up something because, you know, um, someone that we're kind of all familiar with, you know, the, the artist Akon, somebody who actually came uh, from Africa, um, you know, when he sold uh, 
this uh, with his artist, which, which was uh, Lady Gaga. But he sold her to who owns her now. We're not quite sure. But we do know that uh, the proceeds he used to go home, it was, one of the, it was one of those introspective moments, you know, where he said he was sitting there thinking about how all of his diamonds, all of his fast cars, all of his beautiful homes meant nothing when he knew that Africa was in the dark. So he went and decided to turn on the lights. So that's what his mission was, was to go and put, like, I think seven different countries on with uh, just the opportunity to have 24-7 electricity. So it's not when it's dark that you have to go to bed or that you cannot read or you cannot study or you cannot continue to grow. And this is what was happening. This was a major problem, kind of like uh, the water bearer in India. There are women in India. I know our focus is Africa, but just to give a, a, a quick synopsis, there are women in India and that's their job. That's what they do all day. It takes all day to get the family water, and that's what they do because they don't have access to running water. Isn't that interesting? Hey, we got a caller on the line, and now uh, let's see if we can get them into the conversation as well. Hey, you're on Straight Talk. Uh, state your name, and did you have a question for Andre Ward, CEO of T25CL Entertainment? Hello, CEO. And how are you doing tonight? Hey, see that you... <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm still here with you. Been kind of away from me for a while. I'm in doing things. I'm I'm into doing things myself. And uh, right. I, I like your idea. What I would like to say, though, is if we can generate some funds here in America, for some African-American youth. And I I would like to have them in the age at least between, I'd like to say 17 and 21, uh, who have some stable uh, academic minds, possibly, the first group, and try to get them together to help others in the community here. Then we could move, like some of them did, to Africa and be able to uh, talk to the young people their age and be able to uh, relate various things to the young people their age. I wrote down a list of a lot of people. I can't put it down here, but I thought about Magic Johnson, and I thought about Ronnie Lott, who could get a billion dollars here to build a stadium here in Oakland. And... uh, Various others like Curry and all these guys, they're they're donating and they're doing their time with the Boy Scouts and with all these type of things. But how many Boy Scouts, and I was one myself, Boy Scout and Cub Scout, is going to go over there to help somebody in Africa? How many, they're mainly doing things here, walking people across the street, doing other things and fundraisers to keep them alive. But if we could generate something like that, it would be good. I went to Africa myself a few times. Yeah, and you and your wife, you and your wife uh, have uh, been several times, actually. Uh, in a couple of minutes, just tell us, uh, did you experience what uh, 
We were talking about, Andre and myself, about the lack of resources such as our uh, 24-hour power and water and, and those kind of uh, amenities that you would think are just already there. Give us your opinion on that. Well, we, we experienced that with the exception of the people who were living there that came from Germany, uh, Germany and Scotland and England and France and Portugal and all those people. When you go into the areas where they live, they got 24-hour lights. And what happens in, in the Senegal and Gambia and the areas I went into and other areas, they run by generator, and they have gas generators. And when all the lights go out from the main power source, many people who could afford it, they went on the uh, gas generators and uh, lit the place up. They had running water. All the different places had running water in certain spots where people would come down and get the water out of faucets. All over they had running water where they get water out of faucets, but they had to carry that home so they don't have pipes going into their home. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that they don't have, but the other people are there from India and from China and from these places buying up the property and putting all this stuff in. I bought a large piece of property when I was in Gambia, and I didn't know when I was going back. I have the deed, but what I did was I gave the property to my driver. Every time I went, I had the same driver all the time showing me around. So he and his family didn't have anything, and so I took my property, which was located on the on their new highway they had there, and I just gave it to him. I said, here, take it, man, for your family and do what you want to. I don't know when I'll be back. So he sent me the deed, and I, I just told him I put his name on the deed. So, that you know, that's things we can do, but I always say build it up at home and then move it because if you build it up at home, you can use that same type of model in Africa. Well, that's very interesting. I love what you said. Andre, you know, that's very interesting, you know, what he, uh, uh, Pastor Bob, just brought to us in terms of how to focus first at home. I mean, do you get that? Do people tell you when you say that, you know, you're focusing your initiative uh, for us to reach from here to Africa? Do people ever ask you about, well, what are you doing here? I mean, I know that you have internships. I know that you have training programs. I know that you have a lot of feet on the ground right here in California. But um, tell us a little bit about how you see yourself in helping others overseas, helping us here at home. Well, first of all, let me just say, too, that they reached out to us. And when I say they, uh, there's a real story behind United We Stand. T25CL just didn't reach out to Africa and said, okay, let us help you out. It was sort of like a situation where it came to us, an opportunity came to us to uh, perform one or two songs in a Jazz for Peace concert. And the promoters who put on that show had a squabble with the performers from New York. And so they asked us to do an entire show. So we did the entire show. We shot it. We made a movie out of it. And then I got more involved with the ambassadors over there in Africa. 
And so since the whole thing was to start out was for their agenda, because I was dealing with United Nations type people. And so we just followed the script on the in, on their agenda, what they wanted. And so we took it to a whole nother level than uh, performing one or two songs to doing a major motion picture project. Now, this is for this one project, but, but of course, I know charity always starts here at home. And we can still use uh, the United We Stand film to do things here at home. Because one of the things that I wanted to do was uh, take it to the, our community-based theater and uh, have high school students come in, junior high school students come in, and we devote some time for them to come in to see the film, and we can do some local things. I want, one of my goals was to have a business mixer and a movie, commonly called Mixer and a Movie. And, of course, if people get out there and promote it, if the high school youth here got out and promoted it and spread the word and, and we were able to sell the theater out on a few, few occasions, and if we attach something to it, a certain cause, of course, we can do uh, some charitable proceeds toward local causes as well. But what we want to do, see, this is just the first United We Stand. We want to do a United We Stand 2, 3, 4, 5. We want to attach other countries, and we also want to attach domestic issues here as well. We can do a United We Stand that's dedicated towards South Central L.A., East and West Oakland, East Dallas, uh, Harlem, South Side of Chicago, uh, whatever it may take, whether it's a book drive, a computer drive, or clothing, whatever it may be, we can still do the same thing, and, but all we need is the unity and support of the people. Can T25CL put on a great show? Just check out United We Stand. So, yes, we can. Can we do what we say we're going to do? Yes, we can. And so but yeah. the next thing we do it, you know, we want to do it bigger and better. And like Brother Bob just said, all these other brothers who went to the millions and millions of dollars putting their money in certain places, what if they put that towards the next United We Stand project, attach a cause to it, put their endorsements with it, and you guys know when you have those big names attached to a project, then guess what? It, it, it has that sex appeal to it, and more and more people will come to see the product. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, that was well said. And, you know, it, it's very interesting because, uh, uh, Brother Bob, you know, you, Pastor Bob, brother, you have had a great exposure to the international gambit. Uh, I mean, the way it works how it works, and you're also, you know, a pastor in the Bay Area, and you, you know, you live in uh, an area where just this morning, you know, a horrible thing happened. You know, we have to mention it. You know, there was a mother killed right there in Richmond uh, by her attorney. I mean, these, these are professional people that 8.30 in the morning, when we talk about working together, you know, my desire would be to see us, if we could just come to some kind of a communication uh, uh, um, place where we don't have to kill each other, 
I, that's what I am having just a real problem with. And just this morning in Richmond, a young mother was shot down by her attorney ex-boyfriend in front of the children. Had you heard about that, Bob? Did you know anything about that happening today? No, but I, I am, I've been so busy today doing things, I haven't had a chance to uh, watch any news. I know that last weekend I uh, saw uh, a father and a son fighting. And so I just jumped in and grabbed one of them and just told them, hey, y'all can't be doing this. And uh, this is happening all the way. My my pastor's uh, grandson got killed week before last. I went to assist him in the funeral, and uh, the mother came to the funeral, and then the mother just died last week. Oh, you're this. kidding. And before that, the sister just got shot. Well, you know what? Our condolences go out to uh, your church. I know that you're the assistant pastor there and to Pastor Ross and his family. And we are so sorry at the loss of of, of his grandson and the mother. And it's just so tragic sometimes. And I just feel that there's got to be a way uh, that with this multi-level media opportunity, that we could uh, teach or empower people in some way to find a, a mediation process where we can help, like like a young people's court of some sort, where you can come and you can talk about it. I know here in Los Angeles, just to give you a brief example, um, a, a few pastors, believe it or not, here uh, were ex-game members. And uh, so they have, you know, this sort of leverage on the streets, and they've literally been able to stand down conflict in some of the more heated areas. Now, they don't stop it all together, but they have been able to stand down some of the uh, real issues that are really facing us as black people in our inner city. And I'm thinking that maybe we should have, like, put together maybe a sonnet where we can have pastors come together so that we would be able to get them, see who's willing, and see how we can put together a mediation program with young people so they can learn, you know, like the the, the five-step rule to anger, the five-step rule to resolving an issue, whatever it may be but make it a universal process so that we could stop losing lives. What do you gentlemen think about that? What do you think about that, Andre? Well, first of all, you know, a black life nowadays means nothing. You know, I've been talking about this to people the past few weeks, and one of the things I'm going to be doing on my own radio show is to have a discussion on black on black crime, but not necessarily at the gun and knife area, but at the corporate level. But I don't want to get too far off your question. But with that, if you guys remember back in the 60s and the 70s, when we had the, the James Brown era, the Ohio players, the Temptations, the, the the Martins and the Malcolms and the Elijahs, you know, it was brothers in 
and sister, sister and brother. I mean, you can even look at the Superfly movies. Look at the Shaft movies. Hey, brother, what's happening, man? Oh, it's all cool, brother. Nowadays, hey, nigga, what's up, mother, blah, 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 blah. You know, it is, you're calling and endearing yourself with that nigga word that was created back on a damn slave plantation. And now our people are so jacked up mentally that you've ingratiated that term as a term of endearment. And it's so therefore, since you can go to the lowest base of a human and call him a nigger, so therefore you would have no problem at all in taking that life because that life is not your brother and not your sister anymore. It's down to the lowest base, the lowest form of a human, which is a nigger or nigger, whatever they want to defer it as. And so, therefore, there's no problem with shooting you. There's no problem with shooting your mama and your daddy and, and your babies. There's no problem with it because your life means nothing. It's just a commodity. And I'll move on and kill somebody else. But until our people ingratiate themselves with just due respect and the value of that life, they're just not going to, to get it. And it just, you know, it's one thing, too, when, when you put the onus of the responsibilities on the ministers to go and, and, and talk to them, I just don't know how effective that would be without an exit strategy. You've got to have some degree of exit strategy. Yeah, you can talk to them. You can get them fired up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. But when they walk out of that arena, whether it's a church house, an auditorium, or a cafeteria, or a library, wherever this function is going to be, guess what? They're back out there in those streets again. And what do they have? Nothing except for the gun or some crack or some weed, whatever. And that nice speech that was just given is going to wear off in 24 hours if there's no safety net there to reel them back in to something that's going to be progressive. So if you're going to have those type of lectures, make sure that you have a safety net already built in that's going to be backed by the city or the community, some type of, uh, of training program. you got to get businesses involved to put these young brothers, and I'm not even saying the sisters, I'm saying the young brothers, because the sisters follow the brothers. If it's a no good sister somewhere, that's because it's a no good brother somewhere. And so these brothers got to be put into training type programs because everybody wants quick money. You can't convince them to go to a four-year school or a six-year school or an eight-year school to get a PhD or a master's. They, they just don't have that right now. So put them into something where some type of training program, whether it's some type of construction trade or if it's computers or whatever. And if these companies can just reach out and just start giving out some degrees of employment. And if small to medium-sized businesses can get funded so that we can, can hire people. 
And this is why the banks got to get involved to fund companies like uh, T25CO and other companies. And the mandate should be higher, higher, higher. Get some facilities, hire people, teach people, train people. And you know what? Your crime will go down. Your alcoholism will go down. Your drugs will go down. You know, people will start graduating out of high school, but we you just can't put it all on the preacher. And it's got to be other people involved. It's got the company's got to be involved, the city's got to be involved and 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 to get this mess cleaned up. All right, you guys. Hey everybody, you're listening to T25CL.com. This is Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm your girl, Barbara McGee, host of Straight Talk with the Higher Brush. And uh, I have the illustrious uh, uh, culpability right now to talk to the CEO, head person in charge for T25CL. He's on the line. We have Andre Ward. We have Pastor Bob, our roving reporter, and he's given us some pretty sobering news today. And we're just basically discussing you know, the future of P25CL, their mission statement, how they see this following through. And um, we have a caller on the line, so let's add our caller in. Hey, you're live on Straight Talk. You want to state your name? Do you have a question or were you listening? Oh, I'm just listening in. I'm enjoying the show. Thank you. Oh, well, then you're more than welcome. Well, listen on. We'll come back to you and see if you would like to make a comment a little later. All right, so we have a listener, and we enjoy listeners here at Straight Talk. Okay, so Brother Bob, as a yeah. pastor, did you, did you hear what Andre said? He said that he felt like pastors are not necessarily the only source. I think pastors are the starting force. I think they are the building block. The reason why I say that is because, number one, they're located in the community. They're on the ground. So that's number one. Number two, they have a following of 100 or more people that they could put on the ground, similar to what happened at Mount Rubido Church where I belong. You know, they were able to put together a clinic, get this, and they served over 3,000 Riverside um, uh, persons. And I'm not saying everybody lived in Riverside, but I'm saying that they served in Riverside 3,000 individuals who took advantage of um, medical services for two days, the free dental services, free optical, free lifestyle, free haircuts. Can you imagine? So now the city of Riverside, get this, but it was such a successful program that in October they have decided to pick up the entire tab. So, I mean, this is just one city with one vision, with one thought that really has made a difference and made a change. You know, it was really wonderful to sit down with a Latino couple and talk to them about their plans, their future, how we could help. And and not necessarily talking about God or witnessing, but just loving and being with the ministry of being present and listening to their needs and then being able to make the appropriate re- arrangements. Uh, Bob, do you think we could get something like that happening, let's say, in Oakland? Well, 
Oakland has oak pastors in Oakland and and, and other and deacons and subsisters in Oakland. They've been they've been out there uh, pounding pavement and talking to kids for years. I was in a ministers group. Of course, I, I left it, and I'm not going to say why. But it was about forty five or fifty of us who met every single Tuesday morning and donated. And uh, I think I only had I only had one pastor. I was in the street trying to get some of these young drug people together, and I got one together who became a uh, manager for uh, uh, that big store that used to rent all the tapes. He became a manager there after kicking crack and weed and all that stuff. I stuck with him. We bought him some clothes, and we bought him bicycles to get to work, and we carried him boxes of food for him and his kids, and he wound up being a manager. So that's just one kid. I would say that it ain't on the pastor's shoulders because pastors are human and they can do so much. But you can't relate to people a lot of times when you have had no experience like them. It's very difficult at times. To have a big meeting is all right. They have, I just, there's a, a church here where my kids, grandkids go to and they're in Easter plays, basketball, football, mathematics, English, foreign language. They do all of that stuff. But it's the parents. The first step everybody has to make in the black community is getting the parents together so so they could be helped to help their children. And that's a big okay. problem. So all the right. parents. I, will, I, I will agree if you fall back on the parents now. Uh, Andre, you know, you and I, we have had several times uh, 1,000 Mothers to Prevent Violence. You know, that's my charity of choice with Dr. Lorraine Taylor. And, you know, we've seen all different types of women and men who are, have survived their children. And we've had people that have written books about their experience on the show. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel like it's a greater, it's a greater gap than just the parents. I mean, it's almost like, if I can remember correctly, just to share this with you gentlemen and the listening audience out there, I can remember that there was an 18-year-old girl and a 19-year-old boy that lived in Sacramento, and they had twins, and I guess the girl had to go get her wick or whatever she had to do, some kind of reason for her at six weeks to be left, that she had to leave the house, she left the twins with him, and he beat them to death. And then everybody was saying, well, let's jail him up. He's a horrific person. He's beaten these babies. You know, but in all actuality, could we all agree that perhaps parenting was never given to her and him or their respective parents? The possibility and the probability that since 1990, good parenting skills in our community have been lost. So we not all the way, not all the way. I, I disagree with that. Not all the way because I tell you, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I heard what you said. We focus a lot of time on the bad stuff that's happening in the black community, which is a few. But what about the kids who are in all of these different schools in those areas who are excelling? Case in point, one kid whose mama 
and daddy was on drugs, left him and two young kids in a, in a station wagon. No one knew this kid was in the station wagon living, taking care of these kids and getting the food stamps and food card that was supposed to be his mama's. He was getting it. He took care of them kids for two years, and his grades was A's, and he went to Cal Berkeley and excelled at Cal Berkeley. This kid lived in a station wagon before, I believe his coach or somebody found out about it. This is just one case. There are many children in school in Oakland, Richmond, and Berkeley who are excelling in what they're doing. Because I've been been videoing it. I've been videoing it. I've been getting cases of it. I'm not saying that there are not kids excelling. A bunch of them. What I'm saying is there has been, there's a poster that Dr. Lorraine Taylor has with her two children on it that has some 75 pictures of people that are under the age of 21 that have been murdered in the streets of Oakland in the past five years. That is a problem. And that that says there's a problem all over America. And here's here's the thing. Let's just say come June, there's uh, five students from Tech and Mac and Skyline and Fremont that graduated a 4.0 and got scholarships to Harvard and Stanford. Now, on the flip side of that, what if you had uh, five students go out and start killing somebody and got murders all over the place? Which one's going to hit the news? The five, the 4.0 graduates? Or the ones who committed the murder. Well, that's what I was just—I was just saying a few minutes ago. I just said nobody pays it. We pay attention to the murderers, but we don't pay attention to the kids that are excelling and let everybody know that there are black kids in the community that's really excelling. We don't do that. We always go after the murderers and the killers and the dope pushers and all of this. But why not make some of these kids who excel in examples? to some of the kids in the street who say, I know him, I don't want to be like him. We don't do well, that. Okay, but see, well, here's, the yeah. thing. Here's, here's the thing. It's with the media. You, t- I guarantee you, you turn on 11 o'clock news tonight, I don't care if it's NBC, CBS, or ABC, you see if you see some good news of some kid who did something good in the community. Uh, you, you're not going to see it. You're going to see some robbing, some stealing, some stabbing, some shooting, some dope selling, some kidnapping. This is what you're going to see on your news. So what is wrong with the media? How come the media is quick to show all of this morbid stuff instead of the good stuff? And by what it's you money. That television is what you're <laughs> gauging your city your state and your country is based around what you see on that media. And this is not just uh, confined to, to Oakland. I guarantee you if it was in New York, Chicago, Detroit, Dallas, Houston, Memphis, Oklahoma City, you're going to see the same thing on the news. So my question to both of you is what is the media? Trying to, I'm talking about the upper end. I'm not talking about the, 
and people there just reading off a script in front of a camera. I'm talking about the upper end of the media business. Why is it across this country that's what you're going to be seeing on your 11 o'clock news is something morbid rather than somebody doing something good? Why is that happening in the future? That's a simple answer to that. It's a very simple answer to that. Exploitation and money. People like to see things that's happening that's gruesome in the community. They love it. They see they talk about it at McDonald's having coffee. They don't talk about anything that's nice. Gentlemen. We have a caller on the line. They just hit me. They said, tag me in. All right. Hey, you're live on Straight Talk. Did you have a question and comment, and can you state your name? Yes. Uh, Barbara, my name is Candace Kelly, and I was listening in, and what a great show this is tonight. And I wanted to answer that question because I was a news anchor and reporter for almost 20 years. So I want to answer that question, what's going on with the media? We would in love process- to. Thank you, Ms. Okay. <laughs> sure you. thing. Well, here's the answer to that, gentlemen. As a black journalist, when you look at your television stations in the Bay Area, in the Sacramento area, who do you see on the news? You may see one African-American doing sports, perhaps a reporter doing fluff news. But those of us like myself who were crime reporters and who were anchors and who actually went out and covered stories in our community, they found ways in about 2002 to squeeze all of us out of the media. And so the media is a reflection of who's in the newsroom because the television stations will cover stories about people that they care about. They don't care about us. So when I was a reporter in Sacramento, in Dallas, and you know in other places where I reported, I went to New Hope Baptist Church. So if there was a police officer and he was getting out of hand and he was brutalizing say, Miss Jenkins' grandson, she would call me at the station or she would see me at church and she'd say, hey, you know, this police officer, this is what happened to my son. I would then call the police chief and say, hey, you know, this is Candace over at Channel Such and Such and Such. such. You know, I've got a phone call that this officer's out of hand. So then they would step back. But see, this is what you have now is you don't have representation in the newsrooms. And so I would go out and I would cover stories about the black community. I would cover stories about police brutality. And maybe I might get one phone call saying, hey, great. But the main stories that I got calls about were people that were calling to, from our community to comment on my hair. And then when people leave the television stations, no one calls. And then so someone said to me, well, why is your job more important? We all deal with these things on our jobs, too, working at the state. And so why should we care that you're being discriminated against against at a TV station? It is because of the TV station, we are your eyes and we are your ears. Working at the state, you're not reporting to a million people of what's going on in the community. So I'm going to stop it right there. It is a reflection of who is in the newsrooms. The stories that are put on the news are the stories that the producers care about that the reporters care about. It's why you can have an event where there are 5,000 African Americans talking about kids getting scholarships at the links, or I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, or the Girls' Self-Esteem Program, and the TV stations don't show up, but they might be in Stockton doing something over 25 people at an asparagus festival. That is the reason why. It's because we do not have representation in the media. Well, well you know what? Well, well, I have you. Good, good well, news have doesn't sell. Good news doesn't sell. I mean, I, I have friends that are reporters with NBC, and good news does not sell. It, it is a horrible state of affairs, but 
people, well, let me not say people, but sponsors who are, are buying that time, uh, buying that seven or eight minutes worth of time per half hour at 11 o'clock, their money is going to go towards the morbid stuff. If you started showing uh, good stories, uh, good things that are happening in Oakland and L.A., for which there is an abundance of good things that are happening in the city, they're not going to put their sponsorship dollars up for good news. It's got to go towards something morbid. Well, you know, well, I think that's kind of a – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Barbara. No, no, you go ahead, and then I have something I'd like to ask you. Okay. I was going to say that I, I hear what you're saying, and that's sort of a simplistic view of it. But when you think about it is is that those the, the TV news – so when we do a 30-minute news segment – that's already paid for. So whatever we put in there as far as the news thing is, it's going to start off with hard news, then it's going to go to fluff, and then it's going to go to sports, and then it's going to go, you know, so whatever the order is, the order. So they're not, like, the advertisers are not sitting there saying, well, you know, we've got to have this many negative stories about black people or we're not going to pay. They've already paid for the ads. So I mm-hmm. think that's kind of a simplistic way, and, and we say that, that if it bleeds, it leads. But at the top of every news, it's going to be something that grabs people because people want to see the blood and the gore. People know that good things happen. And like we were talking about, you know, kids from black children going to Harvard and Yale. We already know that. They've been doing that for years. We've been doing that since, you know, the beginning of time, you know. So it's not like if a gangbanger sees a kid going to Harvard, they go, you know, I want to go to Harvard too. No, I, I think that's a real simplistic view of that. I really think that it really kind of goes back to who is in the newsroom. So when I was there, I would fight for stories about us. I would fight, say, there's a scholarship you know, program that's going on. I want to go cover that. But if I'm not there in the newsroom, it's not going to be covered. The 23-year-old blonde that came here from Iowa to try to get on the network news, she doesn't care about what's happening over in uh, Oak Park in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Barbara, go ahead. Well, you reinforced my point. But if it bleeds, it bleeds. That's that's it. But it's not necessarily so, uh, negative stories about black people. It's any negative story, no, car no, accidents no, and things the, the like blood that. Is red. No, the blood yeah. is red. No matter who it comes out of. Yeah, but we're talking in particular about African-American stories. We're not just talking about just any negative story. I'm talking about how we are perceived in the media, and I'm also talking about telling stories about that happened to us. Okay, now, now let me just interject this. There's two things I want to say. Okay, first off, um, we were talking earlier. Let's roll back. We were talking a little bit about what is the problem, where can we nip it in the bud, how do we move forward. And first off, I would like to um, uh, give my greatest condolences to you and uh, uh, to Chef Mimi, who recently uh, lost her son uh, in a freak uh, murder assassination that happened also in Oakland. And uh, I know that you run what is called the G-Step program. And uh, tell us a little, just give us a 30-second blurb about your program, what you do in Sacramento, and how that works into the program, the empowerment program that uh, Chef Mimi does in Oakland, California. Well, correct. Well, we are the Girl Self-Esteem Program, and it is a mentoring program for girls. And so what we work with girls on is teaching them to carry themselves with poise, grace, and dignity. We feel that we are grooming the future female world leaders. And one of our philosophies is, is, is that we have to, that girls and women, that we are the keepers of morality. And as low as we will go, men will go lower than that. And so this is why we're teaching the young girls to have self-esteem for themselves. And it not only is just a program for girls, people think, oh, it's a girl's self-esteem program. You're only working with girls. 
Now, I have brothers, I have a nephew, and guess what? These young ladies that we are grooming, they're going to be world leaders. They're also going to be mothers, and they're going to be wives. And so we're teaching these young ladies to carry themselves with grace and dignity so that the young men that they get with will be carrying themselves with grace and dignity in order to be able to be paired up with them so that they can be power couples to rule this world. They learn how to sit, how to walk and talk, self-defense, verbal judo. We do uh, career and career uh, career counseling and placement and actually help girls get jobs and also scholarships for them. So that's 30 seconds. Oh, I love it. So now <laughs> here is the, here's the point. Um, as we see now, uh, Pastor Bob and also Andre, the listening audience, I just want to show you a couple of things. So what has happened in Oakland uh, is very interesting. In San Francisco, you know, they have Crime Spotter. Crime Spotter is something that is a, a cool app that the police give information to so that you as a homeowner or a property owner, you'll know immediately if there was a burglary in Dolores Park or, or, or wherever you live, you have a report in real time of what's going on, a courtesy of the police department. Now, in Oakland, we have what's called gun spotting. Gun spotter means if there's a shooting over here, the police know because they have this echo gram going on where they can spot within two to three seconds uh, actual where a shooting has occurred or a gun has been fired, but there is no uh, uh, acceptable response to property owners or renters or people in local areas so that they know that this is an area where perhaps I shouldn't be because this area has over 25 incidents in a weekend. Now, um, a, a perfect example of how we're represented. Uh, the first thing uh, that happened to the Oakland Tribune was it was uh, uh, taken away. And it was taken away so that we couldn't, like you say, Candace, we couldn't call. We couldn't ask a reporter to run this story. We couldn't uh, speak to someone and have them get this on the news for us so that we could uh, uh, be able to see a reflection of the decline of the population in Oakland and the decline of our voter base in Oakland. That's number one. And number two, then um, what you do in terms of how you empower these young women, so it's more than just one or two steps. It's more than just the A student being able to see his way on to Harvard. That's what I'm talking about. You have 10 that are succeeding, but you have a whole city that's failing, and that's because there is no step-by-step process. It takes a lot more to survive. Did you guys know that 70% of the Caucasian students that go to UCLA that live in Los Angeles, when they graduate, they move back home and that's okay? Did you guys know that? So, But we... Uh, as black parents, we say, well, now you've got your education, you need to go find a job, and you need to be on your own. And it takes way more than that to survive in this level of, a, of an economy. So, Candace, could you tell us, um, what steps do we need to take to try to turn this thing around? Would you say it's well, with the parents? Would you say it's with a, a, a mentorship program? Or Tell us what you think. 
I think that we need to start off working with, we talk a lot about boys and we talk about men and what's going on with them. But I think at the same time, I think that many times that we ignore what's going on with girls and women. And I mentioned just a bit earlier about why I work with girls, not just to help girls, but because when you help the girls, you help the men in the, in the community. You help the boys and you help the men in the community. I think we need to have more programs for girls. And I think that, and, and this might be a little controversial here, I'm so tired of sports being used as a tool to save our boys. I'm not against sports for boys. I'm against sports just for boys. Because, see, I'm grooming world leaders and young ladies, and I'm teaching them how to have compassion and sisterhood and how to love their community. And then when they get to school or get ready to go to prom, they're going to prom and being asked by young men who aren't being taught that. I wish that we had programs like the Girls Self-Esteem Program for young men to teach them about compassion because you're not learning how to be a good father or a good husband or to be a good loving person by tossing a football. So I think that we need to have more programs that teach young men to have compassion as opposed to yelling and drilling and screaming at them. Because it's, you know, it's very easy to say that you are working with young men and you're going to do this as far as coaching because, you know, it's fun. It's fun. And, and every father thinks that he, even if he never played junior high football, he's going to coach his kid's team all the way to the championship and his son is going to go into the pros, Right. So it's very fun to me as a woman to comb little girl's hair. I think it's really fun. I didn't make that into a mentoring program. I didn't make that into an entire program where I just get little girls, and all of us women are going to get here, and we're going to comb their hair, and they're going to get self-esteem and learn how to be successful. I think we need more than just sports for boys, and I think we need to have programs that teach them compassion and how to be a man as opposed to toss a ball. Oh, that's beautiful. Andre, Let me what's see. Your on that? Then I want to go to Pastor Bob. Go ahead. Okay. Well, well, also with sports, let me just say this. You know, I grew up in sports here here in Oakland, and I believe that all boys should grow up playing sports. And not everybody's going to make it to the professional level and make hundreds of millions of dollars. That's only for a selected few. But one thing that it does do with sports, I don't care what sport it is, it, it does help you in, in life that team effort, the competitive effort. And so even if you don't make it past the high school level or past the college level, it's something good that looks, it looks good on your resume. And employers do look at things like that when they ask about your hobbies. And, and being an athlete really does go a long way as you as, as a person, especially with team sports. And I do find that people who play maybe golf or, or tennis or something like that, they're more selfish individuals and more self-centered. But I believe that people that do play things like baseball, basketball, or football, team-oriented sports, it does help them in the professional environment because they know that they're part of a team. Even if they're in an office or even if they're out just digging ditches or, or building homes, they know that they're part of a team and you're not just an individual. So there is another effect of it with playing sports, and it, it does kind of take you to another level. Employers do look at things like that if you do have a sports background, and, and it really does help you in your professional career. Hmm. Uh, uh, Pastor Bob, what, what do you say to that? Well, I'll tell you what. I've listened to 
both of the parties speak, which was beautiful. Young lady, she uh, she is just beautiful, articulate. The CEO, quite naturally, is articulate. Here's what I think. When it comes to girls and boys, we've gone into a situation in society where we're trying to boost the women in society to one point, and as far as I can see, degrade the males in another point. Because everything today is women, 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 which I love, and I spoke about women and uh, black women, particularly at church last week, how we should uphold our black women. We should stick with them. So they they might not only accomplish, but show the world that they are the queen. I believe that. But then we should stop trying to separate everybody and make somebody over somebody else. Uh, my mother in the past was the uh, uh, most worthy patron of the West Coast for the Eastern Stars. And I would be with her, and she raised some of my daughters uh with me in the eastern star and they became some great kids a lot of them uh and they also had the same type program my sister was talking about when i listened to it i had a smile on my face because this is identically the same program that they were trying to do so here's what we have to do lay off the people in sports because i tell you it is many women out there playing sports and making money today. There are men, and that's what it's all about, making a buck. But there are some football players, baseball players, basketball players today who are doctors, who are lawyers, who are CEOs of corporations, and who are out there helping young black and female blacks in our communities today. And there are many of them. Magic Johnson happened to be one. I met him one time. But look what he's doing. He's hiring a lot of black people in his businesses. He played sports. There are many others doing the same thing. We have to try to get together to combine like my sister. I love her because I learned a lesson from some people in the black school in the South and the professors who traveled around the world to bring us news told us the only way we're going to succeed is unite and use whatever you learn on the inside. Learn that and bring it on the outside. This sister who just spoke was on the inside of the news media. I love her because she came out telling it like it is, and she knows, so I have to respect that because I haven't been on the inside like she has. So we have to get together in unity and not have a split. If I was going to do a program, I want to do a program where I have the boys sitting on one side with a girl sitting behind him, and we all will learn etiquette and everything together as we come out and go to the university. And I would start a lot of times with the boys who are in the street, stealing, smoking, hanging on the corner, this is me, this is my ministry, and I would talk to them, and I would get them into programs because they can talk to others. They don't want that life. 
But that's the life that we speak about all the time. That's bad. And if I can name kids, I forget their names who are out there that I talk to who got businesses, who have raised families, who are helping other kids doing the same thing, and they're 40 years old now. So it's up to us to unite. We can't separate that woman from that, that man. And we can't make no woman, and we can't make a man. We have to teach them, but what happens, they make themselves. And finally, most of the people talking forget God altogether. They don't bring God, Jesus, into none of it. And the bottom line is the Bible tells you about all of it today and everything that's happening today. But we don't use that. I know we have to live. We have to, I'm going to get through right now. We have to live in our society, and we have to live in a society that we're, we're saying is terrible. But we as black people, we haven't had our day. How are we going to have a day when we can't even unite with each other next door? I'm through. Well, okay. you know, I, I want, may I, may I say, and I'll, I'll be very, very brief. See, that, that is, I think, probably one of the disconnects and the divide. And I think the very first thing I said was is that I'm not against sports for boys. I'm against just sports for boys. And so then we kind of get into this is when people start talking about mansplaining, right? So this is where I just said that sports is okay, but we also need to have something else for our boys outside of just sports. Because I can mm-hmm. walk out of my home in Sacramento and there will be 15 or 25 sports teams with a dad yelling at the boys. And, and that's one of the things that a lot of people have issue with is that, you know, what are we teaching our boys when you're yelling and barking and making them? Yeah, they're going to be great in their jobs and they'll be competitive, but what type of husbands and what type of fathers are they going to be? What are you learning by team sports from that? Okay, I'm not against just sports for boys, but we need to have programs like the Girls Self-Esteem programs for boys. And I've made the effort to try to get it started. It's not my passion. It's not my calling. But I put the idea out there. But everybody wants to help boys, but they want them to run with a ball. So I just want to put that, put that back out there. I didn't say I didn't like sports for boys. I don't like just sports for boys. And many boys, the only type of activities or mentoring that they're getting is sports because we take them, we put them in football. We don't put them in a class to do computer coding and things such as that. We put them in a class to teach them how to run and how to be soldiers, and we're going to yell at you, and you get over there, and you do that, and you, you know, and that just pumps you right in the prison. Where are they going to be barking orders at you there? Well, see, the well, problem you know, is they don't I, have I, balance. I, I, the fathers that you're talking about, they're not giving them the, the, the complement of academics to go along with the sports. There needs to be a balance of the two and, and to make sure that that child is, is excelling academically along with the sports, and then you, it, they'll be more well-rounded. And I okay, agree well, not that, to have 100% on sports, but it shouldn't be 100% on academics as well either. And they, they need okay. to get a, a taste of both. Okay, let me, let me tell you all something. Now, when I lived in a place called Roland Heights, it was the most beautiful place, I think, I've, one of the best places I've ever lived, just Rolling Hills, Southern California. Off the 60, you might know it. It's close to a place called Industry, uh, City of Industry. So there I was, taking my girls to uh, school. I would pick them up at 5.30, 6 o'clock, because that was the time that I would be back from work. And so my girls would get out at 2.30, 3 o'clock. They would be in these after-school programs. 
my girls were in these after, my little girl was in the after school, and the bigger girl was in the after school program until I got there. What I recognized was that 98% of the kids in the school, let, let me say 75% of the kids in the school were uh, Asian. 75% of those kids went to an after school program. It was not the same program that my girls went to. My girls went to this program with the blacks and the Latinos and a couple of whites. The Chinese had literally put together their own ethnic-oriented training process for their kids for after school, where not only did they learn the language, how to spell their alphabet, which is extremely difficult, I'm told, and where they were tutored in their homework in both uh, Cantonese, Mandarin, and in English. And these parents were putting their monies together and had that happening on a public school ground where my daughter and my, where my girls were not included. Now, I'm only bringing that up because what, what it leads into what uh, Ms. Kelly was saying about image. You know, the greatest thing that we do not control, let's forget about money. I know money makes everything better. But where we're missing the point is we do not control our own image. And if you don't control your own image, meaning I just watched these beautiful African-American women. I mean, they look so good on camera. I'm drawn. I cannot stop looking at them. But I've seen them have a straight-up fist fight that hurt me in my heart, but I couldn't look away because their robes fell off of them. I could see everything. It was all blurred out. My point is, is that unless we come up with imagery that we control over the positive way to be respectful of yourself and others, unless we have people like Candace Kelly, who we can, our daughters can, and sons can look at on television and say, wow, I would like to be a, a crime reporter. I would like to be an anchor on the news. Unless we have these visuals that we control, not that they control, and it was very interesting what Candace said. She said the only real uh, feedback she would get is not how good the story was, but what her hair looked like. And this is what we fight every single day. There's a lady right now who's an educator. I forget what city she's in, but she's gone to school. She's a principal. She's gone to school with braids in her hair. And they had a PTA meeting, and they people wanted her out Look at her. She's not professional enough. This is not the image of a black woman that we want in front of our kids. So this is, I think, where our, where we as a media, multimedia company can stop and start putting forth, because I know you have several movies that are on the cusp that you're thinking about putting out, documentaries, docudramas, but this is where we got to get together and put out movies, put out images, of us being us, doing us, and doing it the right way. And that's aside from academics. It's aside from sports. You can be smart. You can be fast 
and you still don't understand how to be interpersonal and interconnected with other people. And that is our main issue. Would you agree? And we're going to have to wind up. We're at the close of the show. I want to give everybody uh, a couple of minutes to kind of wrap up. And, and you know what? I really want to start with you, Candace. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about um, your rebuttal and where can we and how can we support your program that we admire what you talked about so much with G-Step. Tell us how we can get involved. How can we have perhaps a G-Step in our city? And what would we do if we felt the passion to help boys? Go ahead. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Well, I think that probably the first step is, step is is just opening up our eyes and realizing that um, with programs, so with our programs, along with having a mentoring program for girls, in addition to that, we also have a dance studio. And so oftentimes people minimize or discredit girls. So I just heard, you know, this, you know, some one of the uh, very, very articulate and and a gentleman, and I'm sorry, I tuned in a bit late and didn't write down the names. I'm horrible with names about having a program and having the boys sitting there and the girls sitting right behind them. How about the girls sitting right beside them? And how about we realize that when girls and women and women are working with girls, that we might be having a tea party, but you're learning. There's things that girls are learning in while they're at the tea party. They're learning things in dance as well, that we're not just playing with children. I think that we just need to take girls and women's programs more serious. And lastly, I would say the way that you can help girls is to start and have programs that teach young men to respect young ladies and to have compassion as not only just men, but thinking about them growing up to be fathers, not just CEOs or businessmen and providing for your family, but loving your wife. We've got to teach the boys to have compassion. Absolutely. And how do we contact G-STEP? How do we uh, give or how do we participate? Let's say we're far away and we don't, we can't really be there in person. How do we participate and uh, support GSTEP the program? Yes, well, we have a website and it's girlsselfesteemprogram.com, and also we have a, we're very active in social media on uh, also on Facebook. So the same name with girlsselfesteemprogram.com, and we will be traveling and doing workshops. So we have chapters in Sacramento and some other places in Texas, and I won't go through all the names, but a chapter also in Oakland, and we are planning in the fall to come out and at a minimum going into Los Angeles and doing a workshop. And we have a big girls conference that's coming up that we are planning now, and I'll have more information about that maybe on your next show in San Francisco. I love it. Well, I raise my hand. You don't see it, but my hand is raised. So (laughs) you have my my commitment on what I can do when you come to Southern California. You can definitely bet on that. We've been together before, and I know it's going to be fabulous. But, again, I thank you for calling into this show. Show. Pastor Bob, thank you. Uh, you want to you want to go ahead and wrap up and uh, tell us your final thoughts and and uh, give us a, a perspective of uh, what do you think pastors how they how can they be more involved? Do you think that that is really the case here? Well, you know, pastors have to get involved all over, I believe, but I also believe that others have to get involved with the pastors. Sometimes there's a split when pastors want to get involved in different community programs, some people just don't want to deal with them because they are pastors, but they have to go forward. And uh, for the young lady, this is, I was the one who said 
that the, the boys and the girls should be together. But I believe I said also that the girls can sit down along with the boys. I think this is what I was stating. We got to stop doing all this separation stuff so much and try to unite together. And that's what I am for. I'm also for training the person in the street, training the person in the school. I want to look at the parents. You can do a lot with a kid on your own, and they will respect you. And sometimes those same, same kids, when they leave you, are not the same kids when they go to your program. So I believe that if we unite together and get the sports people to spend some money, like your girls, the latest girls program. Hey, get Curry and, and, and the mayor down there in Sacramento who was in basketball. Get them to give them some money to expand their program. Why not? Is there. So I'm not I'm not against using the athletes if they want to help. But academically we need to start being true ourselves so that we can relay this to the various youth groups. And finally, folks, no matter what you say, if a kid can't eat coming out of his house at night or going to school in the morning, no matter what program they're in, you got a kid that's going to be looking for a sandwich. We have to think about that. And I'm trying to simplify it by saying there are parents who are just not doing what they're supposed to do as parents, mother and dad. So we're going to have to teach them women how to be mothers, if that's the way we want to go, and we're going to have to teach the men how to be dads. That's first. All the rest right. of it will come. Thank you. All right. Well, we thank you, uh, Pastor Bob, for being with us tonight in the penthouse. Uh, uh, Andre, I want to come back to you, and, and I know you have a comment because uh, we appreciate your comments. You are the CEO, and we're here because TT5CL is your vision, and you have put it together. You can go to www.t25cl.com. <laughs> this is Galaxy Talk Radio, and you can see how you can get involved with the wonderful 24-hour radio shows that, that is going on, the music, the, the entertainment, the inter- independent artists, uh, the movie ventures. Uh, Andre, give us your thoughts on the discussion tonight, and then we want to know what's going on with T25CL. Well, just in summation, I'll be very brief in my comments on the end of the show, but, you know, all of us are have things that we're doing. We here at T25CL, Candace has the things that she's doing there in uh, Sacramento. But the thing that we have to do is, I, I, I say this all the time, it's the process of duplication. And so that we are successful in what we do. And let's double, triple, and quadruple our efforts and get the word out to the people and get the people to get it out to other people. And so whatever it is that uh, you're trying to do Candace and what we're working on here at T25CL. You know, we want more people listening to our, our radio, our 24-7 uh, music radio station. We want more people tuning in to Galaxy Talk Radio. So we want more people looking at our our, our, our films and, and downloading our MP3s from our great artists here at T25CL. And so we want those, those efforts uh, duplicated every week, every week, and we must maintain a level of consistency here on our talk shows and all of our hosts 
and everybody is is in this practice you know because you're always there's always room for improvement and development and so and that's here with all of us so the process of duplication in our efforts and everything that we're doing and so just stay tuned with t2ICL and we'll have some more announcements coming up in the upcoming weeks because you guys know that I'm always working on something and I'm working on something huge very big and so that's just stay tuned. Right. That's right. right. So that's all we can do. We're staying. We're not only are we staying too, but we're at the edge of our seat. <laughs> that's how we want to support. And we invite you, Candace, to uh, please uh, let us know when you have events, and we will uh, publicize them. We are here for you uh, to utilize us as well because we appreciate what you're doing uh, and uh, what the lovely, your partner with the dance studio, Natalie, what you are doing with women, uh, young women in Sacramento, and we just feel that that is the, uh, you are uh, delivering the blessing. And we appreciate that, and we stand with you on that. So we want to thank you for that. Uh, everybody, we want to make a quick announcement. We want to just say that the Soul Beat family has lost one other. Al Ballard passed away this past weekend. And, you know, Andre, I, I just really enjoyed Al Ballard. He he was the entertainment uh, uh, personified uh, uh, reporter for Soul Beat Network uh, back in the 90s. And we certainly enjoyed his spirit, and we he will be sorely missed uh, he and Chauncey Bailey, uh, the reason why I'm here, Mr. Chauncey Bailey. So I just want to speak his name and uh, let him know and uh, his family know that uh, we love the both of them. And Al Ballard, uh, we will see you again. We will see the likes of you again, absolutely. And then we want to also go on and make a, a little mention here. You know, we're uh, really upset about uh, this thing happening with Prince. I don't really speak about it too often, but tonight I'm going to speak about it. There is a movie coming up, and we're asking for you to boycott that movie. It has Mark Anthony playing Prince, and it also has him being able to utilize some of his songs, the music, and the licensing behind the music. So we are in disagreement with that. We want you guys to take note. When you see it, turn the channel. And then... Your girl, let me see here, your girl here is now been asked to be a co-host, hey, on a new show called Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. And that show is going to be premiering, let me see, this Saturday, April 8th, and I'm going to be one of 10 women that will be co-hosting. Uh, the deal, uh, the ink is dry, but the deal is still fresh. So I'm going to bring you more information so you'll know about that. I just tell you God is blessing. And the more that we continue to stay on course, stay within our vision, stay in our lane, guess what? We are multiplied over and over again. Listen, I want to thank you. Oh, Andre Ward, for being a, a, a co-host with me. I want to thank you, Pastor Bob, and I want to thank you, Ms. Candace Kelly. All right. So without further ado, everybody, this is a straight talk with a hired brush. We've been in this penthouse now, and I want to thank you all. We'll be back next Tuesday at 730. And remember, Monday night, Compton Politics. Tuesday night, straight talk with a hired brush. Wednesday night, Roslyn's Corner. Thursday night is soul vibration. 
Friday night is keys to the kingdom. All right. And thank you guys for listening. Good night. Good night. Yeah.